0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: I got sent home from school one day with a shiner on my eye. Fighting was against the rules and it didn't matter why. got home, I told that story just like I'd rehearsed. Then stood there on those trembling knees and waited for the worst. And he said, let me tell you a secret about a father's love. A secret that my daddy said was just between us. He said daddies don't just love their children every now and then It's a love without end, amen It's a love without end, amen When I became a father in the spring of 81 There was no doubt that stubborn boy was just like my father's son and I thought my patience had been tested to the end, I took my daddy's secret and I passed it on to him. I said, let me tell you a secret about a father's love, a secret that my daddy said was just between us said daddies don't just love their children every now and then It's a love without end, amen It's a love without end, amen Last night I dreamed I died and stood outside those pearly gates Suddenly, I realize there must be some mistake. If they know half the things I've done, they'll never let me in. And then, somewhere from the other side, I heard these words again. And they said, Let me tell you a secret about a father's love secret that my daddy said was just between us. You see, daddies don't just love their children every now and then. It's a love without end. Amen. It's a love without end. Amen.
0: So, "Love Without End," Amen, which was released by George Strait in nineteen ninety, two years after "Baby Blue," mm-hmm. also went to number
2: one. It went number one, and it was George's uh, first multi-week number one. He had had a lot of number ones, but this one stayed for five, six, seven weeks—I don't know—a long time. So that was a big leap forward. A lot, of Dean Dillon, uh, some of the the primary writers for George Strait and myself at that time the CMA and and some of those people were trying to make room for the new artists. They do that a lot where a guy's had a decade of hits and they're ready to move on and they don't focus on them. And George had kind of gotten, George Strait had gotten into that little gap uh, where his name stopped coming up at the award shows so much and uh, radio was starting to pull back. And and that song seemed to kind of just come out of nowhere and 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 deliver a message George hadn't really focused on a more of a spiritual depth to it. I don't know it had anything to do with it, but he was hosting the awards about a year and a half later. You know, so uh, I think everybody's career kind of wants to do that, and and rightfully so, the industry wants to move forward. And Garth was trying to get out there, you know, right at that point, and they were just trying to make room for the new big guy, you know. But George kind of stepped out there and stepped up and maintained his kingdom. You know, he's still King George. There was plenty of room for all of them, as it turns out, you know. But Love Without End was uh, his first multi-week number one.
0: You write a lot of love songs.
2: I do write a lot of love songs.
0: And this is a love song?
2: It is a love song. It's a... It's kind of a lost love song, but not over a cheating situation or anything like that. It's more of a relationship that that can't really happen. It it was not a forbidden relationship, but just a relationship. that, And it it was pretty much fabricated in my head as, uh, I guess, some loss in my life or something I couldn't have that personified itself as a love song. And uh, I try to work off of inspiration, so I'm certain that something inspired it. Not necessarily a human relationship, but something in my life. A lot of my songs are that way. Uh, We had a a turbulent household for a while when I was pretty young, and I'm sure that there are elements in there that I missed and have compensated for by writing about them. Fathers are one thing. You know, when I wrote Love Without End Amen, and, and I've had people come say, your father must really be something. Well, the reality is he left when I was three, and my mother, who's one of the strongest, bravest, most incredible women I've ever met—people, not just women—she raised those three boys for several years before she remarried, and that, that was so tough. So I think love without end is compensating for that dad. It's—it's it's my well. What I did when when your dad leaves and you're a kid, you find role models somewhere. And of course, I had an uncle who was incredible, more like a brother. But I watched Andy Griffith a lot, so he was my like father figure. And I just put myself in the Opie thing and said, this is how that interaction would be. So that's where kind of Love Without End came from. Uh, and my mother remarried, had a wonderful stepdad, but I was a little older and didn't bond the way one would with their biological father. So my daddy songs are all filling that void, kind of painting a picture of what I would like to have had a lot of times.
0: So Love Without And Amen went to number one, and so you had a number one party?
2: We did. uh, That was a big one, and uh, we celebrated. And then my mother, she, of course, never expected a second number one either. Well, none of us ever expected that. But she realized that all of the number ones were in Nashville. So we had one here that was incredible. Uh, the, The Woolsey Company sure knows how to celebrate these number ones, and George was always gracious enough to be part of them. But my mother called and said, you know what, all of the guys you grew up with, all your, all of our neighbors over on the south side and the neighbors that you graduated with, they don't get to see this stuff and celebrate it. So she said, I'm going to throw a number one party for you here in San Antonio. And I said, Mom, don't, don't do that because that's thousands of dollars. To, and she said, all you have to do is bring your gold records so they can see them and we'll hang them up and let everybody look at this stuff, all your awards and stuff. So I said, okay, and I get down there, she's hired a band, she's had it catered, one of the greatest barbecue places in tech. she really did a great job. And uh, then I found out she had invited George and Irv, and I thought, mom, <laughs> not gonna happen, okay. But it, it was nice of her to do, I wouldn't even have, he showed up, he showed up at this number one party in San Antonio with his manager and his wife, And all the people I grew up with on the south side and the north side had the monstrous video cameras. This is what, 93, you said, 92, something like that?
0: 1990.
2: Yeah. And and, and they have those big oversized video cameras. And all of a sudden they're in George's face. You know, they're taking home videos of George straight at this thing. And I'm watching my career completely dissipate because they overwhelmed him. And I was... Embarrassed, I was scared. I couldn't get to him. I couldn't stop them. They were nice, but they were just a little overwhelming. And the only person I could get to of any significance regarding that was Norma, George's wife. And I got to her and I said, Norma, I am so sorry. If I had known, I would have got security in here. And Norma looked at me and said, he gets paid pretty good for this stuff. And it just relieved all of that worry and tension that they even realized that, you know, this is part of it. And George has always been so great about that. You know, just given he's always been grateful. you go, George, thank you for cutting that song. And he'll go, are you kidding me? Thank you for letting me have a song of that caliber. You know, he's always been really gracious like that. But that night it was all kind of new to me. I'd been in it for two or three years and, and George has always uh, been kind of intimidating to me. Uh, we're not buddies. We we don't play golf together. And, and he's, to me, he's, he's a star. And, and I still get kind of starstruck around him. Even now, I just have never, I could tell you, I'm kind of an introvert. And so these things, and when that happened at that number one party, I just was terrified. And he, and Norma calmed it all so quickly. She was so great about it. So that's one of my favorite stories about that. They didn't have to call the cops that night. No, they didn't, man. Everybody was great. It just, Happened unexpectedly. I, you know, I overreacted. But So it,
0: George was still willing to work with you after that. You had another number one at Easy Come.
2: I did. Easy, easy go. Come, Easy Go, which was a blast.